in a series called Belong, and what we're talking about is the fact that we all have these seven things in common. It comes from um, 2 Peter chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can join us with it. We'll have all the scriptures up on the screens. Um, but uh, basically, it's these seven things that that we all have once you step into faith with Jesus. And so that might look different for all of you. I had a really dear friend of mine. Um, The way she came to the Lord was she knew that her life needed to change, and so she goes, I'm just going to go to church. And maybe that's you. Maybe maybe for you, you're here uh, with us, or you're you're not even going to come. You're just watching online. You're like, this is the best I can do. I can't even believe I'm listening to someone talk about the Bible and all these types of things. But you know that there's something that needs to change in your life. And so you you take this little step. And so you take a step, what we call it is a step of faith, and you begin to follow Jesus. And so she came to church and she's like, I don't really even believe it. And, but I'll tell you what, I'll, for a couple months, I'll do everything you ask me to do. So if I was preaching on prayer and I told everybody, hey, why don't you spend some time each morning this week, that's your homework assignment, and just pray for five minutes, she would do that. And so she did that. And then if I said, hey, why don't you read in your Bible, read um, John chapter 15, which we'll be going over next week. Read John chapter 15. She would, she would do that. And then just like this, I said, well, we need volunteers. She's like, I I might not believe everything, but I can be a a volunteer. And so she just began being part of the church without actually believing what we believe. And that's why if you look at Living Springs' website and different things like that, you'll see that it says, Living Spring, belong, believe, be changed. I want you to belong here before you believe. Now, Believe is just as important. I want you to believe some things. I want you to believe that Jesus died for your sins. I want you to believe that you were born broken, but that Jesus is the master physician. He can mend not only your body, but also your soul and also your relationships. And so I want you to believe those things. I want that belief to change your life, that you're living a holy life, what we would call in super, super, duper, super spiritual terms, sanctified, that you would be sanctified, right? I want you to do that because that last one is to be changed. I want you to be changed. I want your relationship with Jesus to be so real and so personal and so life-transforming that you actually become a new person. The Bible calls it a new creation. And so that's how she came to Christ. We have other people who have come to Christ here at Living Spring. Just by raising their hand, they start uh, their journey or whatever. And so once that happens, we have these seven things that uh, Peter talks about. Uh, This idea of to your faith, you add goodness And that's kind of the first thing, right, for all of us. When we come to Christ, we want to know what needs to change in my life. You know, am I, do I have anger issues? Do I have addictions? Do I have um, what we would call sin, missing the mark of what Jesus, if Jesus were to make a decision, why do I make the opposite decision? So that's the next thing that comes. To your faith, you add goodness. And then to goodness, you add knowledge. Okay, well, I'm working on these little things. I'm just starting off, and I'm going to learn about knowledge. And there's three ways to get knowledge as you're following Jesus. One is through the Word of God. It's super clear in a lot of different ways about how you're supposed to live. Okay, so the Word of God is number one. Number two is the Holy Spirit. 
And so what happens in knowledge is maybe there's something that I can't watch, I can't read, I can't spend my time on, but the Holy Spirit has given you uh, freedom to do that. So the Word of God is really clear on some issues. It's a little bit gray on some other issues, kind of for you or not for you. And then finally, the third way we learn is through community, through each other. I'm supposed to be able to watch your life. You're supposed to be able to watch my life and go, okay, what things are they applying to the word of God and how is it working for them? So if I see somebody in church that just has a lot of patience, like myself, okay, whatever. No, you guys all know me well enough to know that patience is something I struggle with. I'm very impatient. I want to get things done. Um, I can look and say, hey, um, I noticed you really handle these situations, right? Well, what's going on? Most likely, that person will go to the Word of God, to the movement of the Holy Spirit in their life, and then to community. So we go goodness, knowledge, and then what do we need? Self-control, which is the next one. I'll put all these up on the board. Um, If we had a board... We only have TVs, so I'll put it up on the TV. But you go from faith to goodness to knowledge to self-control. Then once you exercise self-control, then it's perseverance. And last week, what we talked about was godliness. And we talked about the difference between godliness and goodness. Oftentimes, we think of godliness as doing the right thing, about being sinless or being like God or whatever. All godliness is is a kingdom perspective. We ended last week with this verse here. Since everything will be destroyed in this manner. In other words, uh, Peter is talking about uh, this te- the, the end of all things is not going to be what it is now. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? That's the question. That's the list we're going through. That's the belong part. Of these seven things in your life, in your faith and your goodness and your knowledge and your self-control, perseverance, godliness, of, of those things, what, how is it going to manifest in your life? Shouldn't there be change? Shouldn't there be growth, maturity, right? So you live godly lives. And last week we talked about this. A godliness is just having a kingdom perspective. Godliness is just coming into every situation knowing the end of the story already. And how does that transform how we act? And so uh, we'll go through the list um, right now uh, as we do every week. 2 Peter chapter 1, it starts with this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. As I say every week, you have been given everything you need for life and godliness. You say, well, John, I don't, I don't, I hear this all the time. I don't know the Bible very well. That's no problem. You have it. And so you begin this process of molding your life to shape, to the shape that the Bible is telling you to mold. That we get rid of all anger and malice and wrath and all these things. And so we, 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 we get into those things. We've given us everything for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So that's the first number one of the, of the or number th- two of the list. You have goodness and then knowledge. So there's this idea that Peter's saying, that I'm saying, that we all would say, is that there should be some 
type of growth, some type of maturity. We shouldn't be struggling with the same things now that we were five years ago. And if you are, that's okay. Just know that this is the whole part of belong. You're maybe... For you, goodness is the thing you're struggling with, and so you, you're surrounded by a group of people that are helping you through that. Maybe for you, it's knowledge. You just don't know, and so like a perfect thing would be to go to like the women's Bible study or in a few weeks as we hammer out all the details. Um, we're probably going to be starting a Wednesday night Bible study. That's just the Word of God that we just sit here. I don't know what that is, but... Uh, Apparently, somebody got abducted. Okay, uh, I don't, right? So we, we go through this knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now watch this. Through these, these precious promises, he has given us great, uh, I'm sorry, uh, through these, he has given us these great and precious promises so that through them, now listen to this, you can participate Being a follower of Jesus is not a spectator sport. Nobody's on the bench. I like to say, um, like, if you're visiting and this is your first time here, welcome. We're glad you're here. We know how difficult it is to get up, to get dressed, and to get here. Especially now, you're like, sweatpants. That's all I've been wearing for the last year. I get it. Trust me. And you can come here in sweatpants if you want. I I, I don't care. But what we say to visitors uh, after not to scare them away, but visitors are just potential workers. You go, man, I'm just a number? No, we want you to participate. Being a follower of Jesus is a participation event. Why? Because our lives hopefully have been so transformed by how he's worked in our life that we can then help others. So we participate in the divine nature. So it goes on, and here's the list that we've been talking about. For this very reason, make every effort, and what Peter's saying here is every effort, to add to your faith, right? You add your faith, goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness. And here we go in the last one, or the latest one. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. You're like, okay, cool, brotherly kindness. That seems easy. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, practice brotherly kindness. But I was asking myself, because I really do believe that this, that these, this list builds on itself. I mean, that's why he's saying, and add to goodness. You're going to add to that knowledge. Are there other places that you need to work on your morality, your holiness, your sanctification? You add knowledge. And then once you have knowledge, are, are you able to exercise self-control? You're adding to those. It's not, here, let me just give you a little trick. This is, this is just free. When you accept Christ, it doesn't just stop there. You add to that knowledge. Just because you know the Bible, unless you add self-control to that knowledge, nobody cares what you know. If you don't have self-control, nobody cares what you know. You can go to Bible study every night. Memorize the whole entire Bible. If you don't have self-control, then what what good is that? And to self-control, you add perseverance. And so I was like, man, it's really getting heavy, right? I mean, you're kind of really going along. 
And then brotherly kindness shows up. And you're thinking, well, shouldn't brotherly kindness kind of be at the beginning? I mean, isn't that just normal life? You're supposed to just be nice to one another, just brotherly kindness. You don't have to believe everything. I don't believe everything my brother believes, but at least he's my brother and I'm going to defend him or be on the side of him or find out what he believes and do life with him. Why is brotherly kindness towards the end? It's the second to last. The last one's love, which we'll talk about next week. Agape. This brotherly kindness, will, you'll also see it as mutual affection in the Bible. You'll see it as um, uh, brotherly love in the Bible. But it's just one Greek word, Philadelphia, right? It's just what, what the city, you're like, that's a city. Yeah, guess what Philadelphia means? Brotherly love, mutual affection. Here's why I believe it's towards the end. Because we're bad at it. Because we're really bad at it. And the reason we're bad at it is because it's hard. Brotherly kindness is hard. Anyone who's been in a family, right? And you could take, instead of just brother, you could go on to uncle, you could go on to... There's always somebody in the family, right? That's struggling with something or is immature or it's like, I call him the question person. So here's the question like, Hey, we're having Thanksgiving at so-and-so's house. Here's the question. Will so-and-so be there? <laughs> right? Because you know what's happening. You know, either they're really into whatever. They're into something. Politics, whatever, religion, another religion, or some other thing, or they're a Raiders fan, or something weird. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, you have the obnoxious ones. But, so uh, you, you ask that question, right? Because brotherly kindness is really difficult. And let me just tell you this. Brotherly kindness in the church is really hard. Because you're not just adding life. You're adding theology. You're adding lots of different things. Do you know why I know brotherly kindness is so difficult in the church? Because we got destroyed this past year. Not Living Spring, we're amazing. Don't worry about that. This is for other churches. We got destroyed in the last year over this. That's it. This is it. And people are losing their faith. They're losing their minds. They're backing out of groups of people they've been with for years and years and years, following through with helping them through losses of, of loved ones and all these different things. And then we just said, wear a mask or don't wear a mask. And we lost our minds. Brotherly kindness is hard, isn't it? It's hard to put on a mask if you don't want to or you don't believe in it or, you know, it's complicated. It's a nuance. I have a shirt that says pro-nuance. I'm really into nuance. Everything we talk about that you can tweet and think you've answered the problem, it's much more important than that. But why? Forget about the mask. I, see, already I'm going to get five emails. How, what, what happened? Well, what happened was... Uh, and, and for those of you who are leaders, so maybe you're a leader in your family, maybe you're a leader at school, maybe you're leading a group, maybe you're a volunteer soccer coach or whatever, 
Um, things like this, like COVID, they don't forge your leadership. They don't refine your leadership. They expose it. Your, your leadership has been exposed. My leadership in, as COVID hit, is exposed. Like, how are you going to get through the next week? How are you going to get through that? In the same way, listen, please, just Christians. If you're a non-Christian, you, you, you're like, yeah, go get them. All right. Christians, your maturity has been exposed this year. You might not know it, and you might blame other people, and you might blame the church, and they, they don't preach enough of the word, and this, and that, and this, and all these different things, and, but you've been exposed. So now, once you've been exposed, the more important thing is, what do I need to do about it? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Our maturity, our godliness, as we get to the, down this list, and it becomes more and more difficult... Self-control is difficult, right? Perseverance, much more difficult. Godliness, to have a kingdom perspective in light of all that's going on in the world and in our country and all this kind of stuff, that's hard, perseverance. And then Peter goes, oh yeah, you think perseverance is hard? Try brotherly love, mutual affection. Try not responding to that post. And let's see how you're faith is doing. So let's talk about that a little bit. So uh, we go to brotherly kindness. The last week is love. I'd encourage you to be here or watch online or download it uh, when you get a chance because here's the most important thing of First Peter chapter 8. If you possess these qualities, which you kind of, we all do to varying degrees, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Over this past year with COVID and all the issues that have been going on, uh, an election. Did you know we had an election just, pre just recently? Oh, okay. I didn't know if you guys knew that. Um, they will keep you from being ineffective. How effective have I been this past year in living out my faith? Is God really in control? How productive have I been? What has my first go-to been? Has it been anger? Has my first go-to been anxiety and fear? Which is essentially our culture is wrapped up in, in anxiety and fear, addiction, all those trying to escape, make it as comfortable as possible. As my faith has been exposed during COVID, when things actually got hard for me, how was my maturity? That's these difficulties expose them. So let's hear what happens. We're going to get past Galatians. We're running out of time. All right. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. This is, what, uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Philippi. It's a cool church. This would be, I, I love Philippians. It reminds me of Living Spring. So there we go. Uh, uh, and so Paul is, is writing this. It's a thank you note for all that they've given. They've, they've, they've supported Paul's ministry. And so he is stepping up. He said, hey, thank you very much. And while I have your attention in this thank you note, there's a whole bunch of things I'd like you to remember as you continue on as the church, as the gathering, as the ecclesia is the Greek word. This is what we'd like you to remember. He says, therefore, 
if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Okay, now this is really important. This is so easy to start off with. All he's saying is, is there any encouragement in following Christ? Like, have you been changed at all? Okay, has, has your life changed at all from following Jesus? If, if that's the case. Now, Paul is asking or making this rhetorical statement. He's assuming that, that you would have encouragement of being united with Christ, right? I mean, you've probably experienced it during COVID. Maybe, okay, I'll just share myself. Like, in the beginning, I had no idea what the science was. I didn't, you know, we were disinfecting everything. We had wipes everywhere, which... I'm all for because I'm a germaphobe. Like long before COVID, I was frightened of humans. And so, uh, and so you know, they, they kind of had all this. And then it changed and this changed and masks and double masks and all this kind of stuff. But here's what I could always go back to. I had encouragement from being united with Christ. I go, listen, Jesus, I don't know how I'm handling this situation. I don't know if I have the right science. I don't know if I'm making the right decisions. I'm doing the best I can. But at least I have encouragement from being united with Christ. Paul starts off with that. Just start there, okay? He goes, if, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he goes on, if any comfort from his love. He say, John, I, I don't know if I've had comfort from his love. Talk to me. <laughs> Let's talk about your faith. Let's talk about your journey. Let's talk about how you can invite him even more into your life because this is just a natural outcome of allowing Jesus control. So if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, I mean, right? Uh, um, if any common sharing in the spirit. In other words, guys, if we can agree on anything, I mean, can we find one thing to agree on? Okay. How many believe the Bible? Don't raise your hand. But I imagine if I ask this question, how many believe that the Bible is the word of God? All of you would raise your hand, pretty much. You know, if you follow Jesus, okay, then we could agree on that. If there's any common sharing of the Spirit, in other words, let me tell you what the Lord did for me yesterday. Let me tell you what I'm expecting Him to do today. Let me tell you what, like, how the Lord is shaping me and refining me. And if there's any of that, okay? So if any tenderness and compassion, this is, this kind of idea that Paul is writing up is what it's supposed to look like, what the church is supposed to look like. Encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort from his love, any comfort. I did that in bold on purpose. If there's anything, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness of compassion, then make my joy complete. In other words, wrap it up in a bow. By, uh, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Now, you're like, finally, he's talking about voting. Ah, he's talking about the election, right? Finally, right? We can get rid of all those people who don't think the way I think and how things should go down. I was seeing online, unfortunately, this week, uh, there was a pastor who was explaining what we're supposed to do in Afghanistan. Now, listen, I love pastors. Some of my best friends are pastors. I'm not listening to the person. 
on Afghanistan or science or anything like that. He's saying, I want you to be like-minded, but it doesn't mean you have to agree. It's the destination that we all keep in mind, right? It's these principles of who we are that we all keep. Like-minded would say this, I was born broken, and I think we could all agree on that. And I needed a savior. I needed some other way to run my life other than just me. We would probably all agree on that. We would probably like, be like-minded. Even if you're watching online and you're like, well, I don't know. You'd probably come to a, 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 the conclusion that we're probably not living the way God would have us live. Having the same love. Love for each other. Love for Jesus. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Here we go. You ready? Here's what we do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Oh, man, this, this is lame. This Paul, at this point, is saying, your like-mindedness and your love is going to be about someone other than you. Someone other than having it your particular way. That you might have to humble yourself in certain situations for the greater good. Do nothing from selfishness or empty, uh, uh, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So now I have to come, if there's any encouragement... If there's any love that I've experienced, if there's any part of the Spirit of God that I've experienced in following Him, I need to think of others before I think of myself. You think, well, yeah, that makes sense. But it's so hard. Is it not? I mean, you've been on social media. You read somebody's post and you get all angry about it. And you're thinking, how can they actually believe that? And then you think, oh my goodness, if you followed out what they were saying... It, it could end in this way or this way or whatever. And Paul says, hold on. In the gathering, in the church, in the ecclesia, we're going to be thinking about others before we think about ourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now watch this. This is the kicker. In your relationships with, other, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, my relationship with my Heavenly Father, just like Jesus, should impact so much of my life that it, that it impacts every area. How I treat you. You and I might have voted differently this election, right? I mean, again, Living Spring, I know all of you. I know how most of you voted because um, you always let it sneak out. Okay, I'm not asking. Never asked. Okay, but you let it sneak out. Um, but we're kind of split down the middle, right? And you're think I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, that's impossible. Like, there's that many non-believers in our church? It's like, no, you know, right? In your relationships with another, have the mi same mindset as Jesus. Now, listen, listen, this is so important. Who, being in very nature God, in other words, he had it all. He didn't need anything. He could have just wound up the world, let it run, and gone, hey, 
you know, you had the Old Testament, you know, figure it out, right? He could have done that. But who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? Could you imagine what would happen to the church if we did this? If, if I found out who you voted for and I voted differently and we just had a conversation and I said, well, what was, what's going on? You know, what? And we began to just interact and, well, how does that match up with this? And I, I'm not trying to convince you or I'm not, I'm just listening. Can you imagine what Jesus could, what his ministry could have looked like? He literally could have walked to every single person and just gone, oh, yeah. That's right, lying, member. Oh, yeah, remember when you stole that? Oh, I remember that. We have it written down up there. Right? You could have gone through the whole thing. You voted for who? Caesar? <laughs> All right. Right? So he could, he could have done that. He could have gone through your whole thing. He could have taken everybody together, the whole group, all 12 disciples, and put them in order of sin, of sin and stupid ideas. You know, somebody's, that you voted or you did exactly the way I would do it. You, you're terrible. We got 12. You're number two. If you want to become, you know, you know, number one, then you have to do these. He could have done that, but he didn't. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Do you guys realize how hard this is? This... You'd think it's just the number one in the list. Like, yeah, just be nice to each other and let's start from there. But in fact, it takes so much to be kind to one another, to view one another as a brother and a sister, and to walk alongside them in their error. Did you hear that? To walk alongside them in their error not to reject them, not to dismiss them. And here we go. Not to find another gathering where everybody believes the same thing you do. We go through this journey. We start with a faith in Jesus. And then we, we move on to goodness. Okay, I got to worry about me. I got to make sure I got to get over this addiction, this anger problem, this objectifying of people or, 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 or making oh, my relationships transactional, which the Bible pushes back against, right? It's not a, I do this for you, you do this for me. Like we, we begin to move all of this aside. It is hard to do. You need goodness. You need knowledge. You need self-control. You need perseverance. It's so easy to dismiss somebody, isn't it? I mean, it's so easy. You read one little post on social media, ugh, I can't stand it. I gotta go with my group. We watch the same people tell us the same things for the only purpose to rile us up. Our own gatekeepers on either side, whichever side you're on, we have those. We accumulate statistics and stories and anecdotes so that we can just be right put the other person down. We label and we marginalize 
And Jesus says this, I existed in the form of God and did not regard equality something to be grasped or to be held onto, but I emptied myself becoming a bondservant. I emptied myself becoming nothing. Can we just do a little better with this example? How would Jesus run my social media? How, what would Jesus spend his time doing? This is the whole point. It's very simplistic. But when I go online and I'm reading an article or I'm watching a video, is this how Jesus wants me to spend my time? Or does he want me to read it and then demonize another believer? The problem that I see with brotherly kindness is this. This is supposed to be the area that the church gets right. I don't expect this from our culture to be backbiting and all those things. I don't expect that. I expect CNN and Fox News. I know how the whole system works. They, ha they have paychecks they need to make. They have a constituency that has to keep eyeballs on commercials. I get all of that stuff. I expect it from the world. I do not expect it, nor does the world expect the church to be so petty and to be so caught up and to be so anxious and fearful. Now, having said that, I know the issues we're talking about today are important. Global issues, science, you know, the, where America's going. I, I totally understand that. But if it comes at the expense of the church of Jesus Christ, if I can't get over my issue of whatever it is and sit alongside another believer who's on their journey and maybe their knowledge isn't as high as mine or their self-control or isn't, but I'm not going to abandon them because they don't believe what I believe. Brotherly kindness is actually really, really hard. He made himself nothing this is a little reminder. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. You say, well, John, I'm, I'm smart. I have a degree. Uh, you know, I, 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 I read a lot. I, I, and I'm not just the CNN and Fox stuff. I'm like up there. I'm like Atlantic economist. Like I'm like, woo, really smart. Okay. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as you would Christ Jesus who existed in the form of God, did not regard equality something to be held on to, something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. As the worship band comes back up, this is your reminder. In your relationships with one another, in my relationships with one another, the context is not who you voted for. That's not how, if I'm a Democrat and you're a Republican, that's not the context by which I relate to you. Now, it might come up, okay? I joke um, about Raider fans, yeah, that's kind of my joke, Raider fans, because I'm a Tom Brady fan, but, you know, I will convince you over time, but that's not the identity of our relationship. 
Our gender is not the identity of a relationship. The identity of our relationship is that we are sinners saved by the grace of God. A God who loved us enough to send his only son, who did not regard equality with God something to be held on to, but emptied himself. And so my job as a part of the ecclesia, as part of the church, is to also empty myself. Have that same context. Here's, here's the alternative of it as we kind of wrap up. I don't know if you remember uh, last week I had that, that timeline of, of uh, Christianity. It starts with Jesus' resurrection and it goes all the way to today. If you didn't see it, you can look online. I'll, some people ask me for it. It's an Excel spreadsheet. I'll give it to you. You have to tape it together. I'm not taping it together for you. It was this long thing. And at the very end, when you look at it, um, there's this as well. So this starts off with the Christian church, Jesus Christ, 30 AD, right? This, is, this doesn't do it justice. And you don't need to be able to read it, okay? But each one of these is a denomination. So you start with Jesus, <laughs> and you end with humans, this is what we've created. Church of God, Seventh-day Adventist, Southern Baptist. Now, all this stuff, we disagree on important things. I get it. But I guarantee you, when I spend eternity with Jesus, the Anabaptists aren't coming up in our conversation. The fact that I'm free Methodist isn't going to come up. The question that's going to come up is, how did you do? Were you effective? Were you productive? Did you empty yourself? Did you have to be right? Or do you want to get it right? As we go into this week, uh, here's my homework for you. It's very simple. I want you to find someone other. It might be someone who's a, like anti vaccination and you're like oh, I wear 17 masks and I've been vaccinated by Pfizer, Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. Like I am so vaccinated I like could walk through a, you know whatever. Find find somebody other and walk with them through anything other than that. Anything other than politics. And you know what you're going to find? We're the same. We belong. We're in different things and abortion and all these issues. They're important. Trust me. I, I get it. I get it. I, I get it. And we might disagree on those things. I get it. But the only way we're going to move forward as a people of God is to grant each other the grace that we receive from Jesus. Lord God, we just, um, it's so hard, so hard, especially now when there's just so much access to voices, so many voices. Jesus, would it just be your voice that cuts through it all? Would we excel in this brotherly kindness? God, would you help us change the culture around us? Not by talking, but by acting, the way we treat one another. Providing a safe place for them to meet you and begin their journey. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, just one other thing before the blessing. I just want to express to Living Spring just how grateful I am uh, that you really get this. You understand it. No. 
one of the things when we when I talk to people who know about Living Spring, this particular area of brotherly kindness is one that I think we do pretty well. So thank you for that. Thanks for that hard work, because I know it's hard. And now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, in his joy, and in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.